Hello everybody and welcome to the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast, the original Alien and Predator podcast. Joining me are my regular synthetic combat brothers in arms who all have no Azimoth's rules to, um, you know, stop us from wanting to d- destroy all the humans. It's uh, regular co-hosts, Mr. Adam Zeller, aka Richtop. Hey everyone. And also joining is Eric, aka Xenomorphin. That is me, I admit. And I am. Um, I embrace all that history, the synthetic history. Yeah, the, the, I'm generally going to kill you for no apparent reason. Well, that sounds very alarming. <laughs> well, as we go into what we're going to review, it will Great become. Clear. And we also have. Yes, we are also joined by a new voice. Uh, will be a familiar name to anybody who has been on our boards or uh, joined us on any of the live streams. There's a brand new voice to the podcast and a brand new avatar for the uh, video version is Natasha, a.k.a. Sizzy Bubbles. Welcome to the show. Hey, <laughs> thanks for having me. So one thing we do also do that I don't think Adam mentioned when we were talking beforehand is we do actually ask our new voices to tell us a little bit about how they got into the franchise. Are you up for that? Yeah, I do remember because my my dad is very into science fiction. So I did see bits and pieces of Alien and Predator when I was very young because they knew I liked monsters. So they would be like, okay, come out, come out from your room. Okay, look, there's the monster. Okay, okay, now go back in your room, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. So my parents were pretty cool about that. They encouraged my love of monsters and creatures and stuff like that. When I got old enough, I saw Alien Resurrection, because I think I was a teenager at that point. And uh, then I just binge watched all the movies (laughs) and went real hard into it. (laughs) But Resurrection was the first, full all the way through. I believe so, because it came out in 1997. I think I was like a teenager at that time. I think I was like 13, I want to say. And my mom was like, oh, you'll like those movies. Those monsters are really cool. (laughs) Like... So I I watched them all backwards. That is definitely not the way most people got. Well, most people we talked to uh, got into (laughs) it. I know I had seen Predator. My dad was watching it and I was really sad when he killed the Predator. Because, you know, it's it's, it's like it's all squished under the log and pathetic. And I was like, oh, what'd he do to him? And I'm like, oh, God, like child Natasha was just really like the little animals, didn't she? I'd go a little further than uh, the Predator just being a, you know, an animal. But yeah. you know, if you want to sympathize with the murderers and the monsters, let's Because I it. didn't see him kill everybody. I didn't see the scary parts. It was just kind of like at the okay. end, the end fight when he was like fighting. Because I knew who Arnold was when I was a kid. So, and then he killed the Predator and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. So for you, it was like watching Old Yeller and you thought, don't put the dog out of its misery. Yeah. <laughs> take, take it for a walk. It'll be My fun. My sympathy was in the, the wrong place though. <laughs> 
And now you do art with dinosaurs and everything. I've seen your stuff. It's really good. Oh, thank you. So you you've yeah. taken that passion and you've transferred it into a, like a, a creative endeavor now. You, oh, you yeah. really, yeah, it's really good quality, your stuff. No, all that old stuff definitely, and so I'm calling it alien and predator old stuff. Oh, <laughs> it really did inspire me for sure. And uh, you've been a member of our community for a long time, haven't you? Oh, yeah. What pulled you to the message boards? What pulled you to the website? Jeez, I don't know. I think it's just because when I was like a young teen, when I just really got into Alien and Predator, I think we had internet sometimes. And that was like when is like, I can find pictures of stuff on the internet from Alien and eventually led me to your website. I think it started with Planet AVP and stuff like that. That old one. That was kind of my go-to. That was Shipley's, that was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you went there too. <laughs> yeah. I, I did. I went to all of them, yeah. So I had an account there and then it eventually went to AVP Galaxy because you guys were being regularly updated, whereas a lot of those older sites from like the early 2000s just kind of went away or just didn't really have much other than like screenshot archives and or like promotional artwork archives and stuff like that. But we've stuck around. And then I stuck around. <laughs> You also, you played quite a bit of AVP2 back in the day as well, right? Yes. That might have been before you were on our forum. I think, yeah, I think so, because I played it with my friends in high school, so, and I'm pretty sure I wasn't on the forum then, but I don't know, it's all blurring together now. (laughs) (laughs) We're all old now. Yeah. Maybe maybe not quite as old as Eric, but yeah, we're (laughs) all old now. Uh, You you laugh, but one day you'll be there and you'll be like, oh. (laughs) Well. I'll, I'll hopefully have forgot ever being young at that point. So <laughs> oh, oh, you will. Your memory goes. That's all. Yeah. Eric my will be my memory at us goes in his now. Grave. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't write it down in front of me or I don't do things at the time, I just forget it. I'm just, it's all going. Which is why we have to go and reread what we're talking about, you know, literally a couple of hours beforehand. So it's fresh on the mind. Seriously, you're part of the problem, Adam. What? Just because I, I get the occasional variant cover? Yeah, showing off the occasion. I should only I really get the like default variant cover, though. <laughs> Reminds me of the not Dead Space. Yeah, Dead Space. You mean this specific one? Yeah, it was. It was AVP Dead Space. Was the one with the white cover, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This cover was uh, a variant to issue six by James Heron, the one I just showed, which uh, I thought was really cool. So uh, for the audio listeners, we were just showing copies of the comic there. Um, I I have the normal covers and Adam likes to uh, get some of the variants occasionally. I will say I've looked at the galleries a bit. I really was impressed by the cover art for these. They got a lot of good artwork on the covers for these ones. Yeah, the main covers were done by Bjorn Berens, I believe. And he actually did CG artwork where he would pose these models I don't like it. You're not big on it? I found the alien model on, on ArtStation, but I mean, he'll he'll still do his own thing with them. Yeah, his own posing and, and rigging and everything. But it's it's like there's a level of Uncanny Valley going off here where it looks a little bit realistic, but not quite. And it, and it gives it a weird vibe to me, if you know what I mean. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure if that makes sense. It's interesting. And I was telling Natasha about this earlier is um, the characters look pretty different to how they look in the comic. I mean, naturally, that's going to happen with some covers, right? You're going to have different artist styles, but they're wearing different clothes. So you're seeing kind of scenes from the comic just depicted in a very different way, uh, which I mean, which is fine. It might have been that when they were doing the covers, that was at a stage before the character designs had been finalized, maybe. It's possible that was a different time. I mean... 
end of the day, that's just comic book covers in general. You know, it is you know, it's an interpretation of a moment in it or a theme in it or something like that. You know, they're never ever representative of, of what's going to be in there apart from Well, sometimes like Dust to Dust had some Yeah, I was going to say, apart from Dust to Dust, but wasn't that because Gabriel also did the covers? Maybe. Or what's the Dead Orbit? So that was yeah, also the artist. That, that was that yeah. was the artist, yeah. I think as far as the main covers go, some are better than others. I do like the last one with the woman in the dark, and I'm sure that's probably your favorite one too, Aaron. Yeah, but it still also has that quite little off vibe to it. So I'm not really keen on... Um, I already feel like I'm going off negative here. I'm not really keen on the comic's interpretation of uh, the woman in the dark, neither on the cover or inside. And I actually really like Julius Oto and Yen Nitro's artwork in this series. I really do. This is where everybody points out some trace stuff to me later that knocks me down a peg. <laughs> but in, in general, I actually really, really like the, the interiors. But yeah, the woman in the dark in this one, no, not, not really for me. I wanted it to be far more Giga-esque. Yeah, I know I'm usually the one who, um, as far as the interior art goes, I'm usually the one that uh, points out and complains about the tracing, but Natasha's got a pretty keen art eye herself. I haven't spotted anything in this, but we'll see if she brings up anything. <laughs> so we are, we are obviously talking Marvel's Alien Icarus is what we're going to go by because it sounds far too awkward to say uh, Marvel's Alien Volume 2 issues one to six even though it's probably going to be labeled three on the trade back because the others are one and two it's kind of odd because this is the third arc but the first two marvel arcs just continued the number like volume two started with issue seven with the marvel arc but they, it's actually that arc is volume one even though there's two volumes within it as trade it's stupid i mean it's a marvel thing <laughs> every every time they reset the creative team they reset they reset the number in so it's so they can sell those number ones. Yeah, because number ones are the highest selling comics. We were talking about this off the air, actually. I just wish they'd subtitle whatever the arc's being called on the comics just to make it easier for the more casual buyers. Because, I mean, Sizzy, you, you were talking off camera about that. You know, it was it didn't really make sense to you, did it? I think was what you were oh, trying yeah. to say. It was confusing because I, I skipped like the first comics and then I'm coming to this one. And it's hard at first glance. It's hard to like tell them apart because it just says mm -hmm. alien. And it's just like, oh, I mean, even if it was alien, like chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, that would be cool. But <laughs> it's like weird because they're not on the actual comics themselves. So I'm like, wait, where am I? You know, <laughs> for a lot of us, probably for a lot of us listening who do follow it, um, you know, a little bit more closely online and know what's coming out. You know, it's probably not quite as bad. But, you know, for the casual alien comic fans or the people trying to get into it, you know, it could be, it could be really confusing. It's not like picking up alien genocide and knowing you've got one, two, three and four, you know, in the in the boxes or anything. But small, small thing to whinge about. And I know it's a very much a Marvel thing, but it is. It is something that annoys us. But let's start talking the series then. Adam, do you wanna do you wanna lead us off with a little mini review? And then sure. we'll go around the table. So they fixed the main problem from the first two, which is the art. I do like Julius Otis's art quite a bit. I thought that was pretty well done. There were some moments that felt a little overly comic booky, which I mean, it's a comic book, but I don't know. With with Alien, it's the kind of comic series where you don't want it to feel like it's varying into superhero territory too much, I guess, unless it's an actual superhero crossover. But there's like a scene in the beginning of this where all the androids are, are on this planet and they're doing something and then a human team is arriving and literally three of them are jumping off cliffs in like an action pose 
post one right after the other. And I'm like, are we doing this? Okay. So overall, I think it was decent. That's not so much the art, though. That's true. That's the story. And, and Well, it's the, the image composition. Yeah, I mean that too. But this is the third alien story by Philip Kennedy Johnson. Because I don't believe he did either of the one-shots. No, he did one of the one-shots. He did the one about Gabriel, right? Yeah, he did the annual. Okay. But this is his third arc, I guess. So it, it was interesting to see his storytelling with a different artist, but I could still kind of tell that it was his writing, you know, that part translated, I thought. And it was it was entertaining enough. I thought it was decent for an alien comic in terms of we get to see a few different worlds. I mean, it's mainly focused on this one world that this team of androids is deployed to under this um, pretense that it will gain them android freedom in the Americas, I guess. There were a few confusing... United Systems. Well, that was that was what I was going to get to. There were a few confusing details, like this was the U.S. Army, like not the Colonial Marines, and then the United Systems. But then they bring up United Americas again in the comic a few times, and I'm like, okay, seems a little disjointed here. And then they mention like United Systems is at war with mailing Utani. I was like, when did this happen? Like, this is the first we've ever heard of this. So as far as like the state of the galaxy sort of thing, like there were a few details that I, I felt were a bit a little out there, I guess. But as far as just the ride of the comic, it had some prequel elements and you know how I feel about those. So I wasn't super crazy. You love them. You love the prequel elements. You know, it, it just brings alien into Resident Evil territory. And it's like, I like my Resident Evil. It's not alien. So I don't want alien zombies, but this kind of does that a little bit. But I mean, overall, it was a decent enough read. I'd probably give it, I don't know, I'd probably give it a six or a seven, maybe a seven, just because it's, you know, it was it was entertaining enough, I thought, compared to the first two, because the art just damaged the experience for me so much in those first two arcs. I feel like at least with the art being at the quality it was here, it was an enjoyable enough comic experience for me. I am excited to see a new creative team because I, I think Philip Kennedy Johnson's been all right. I don't think he's knocked an alien story out of the park. So it, it will be nice to get some some new blood on that. How about you, Eric? I, I felt like the, as I was reading this one, I was like, oh, Eric's probably not going to like this because you never really seem to enjoy the portrayal of synthetic characters, I think, in um, a lot of the expanded universe. How did you feel about this one? cracks knuckles get ready for a two-hour review no my short brief thing is um it's a comic so two parts firstly the art because the visuals are always what attract people to comic you have kind of three versions of art with alien comics either it's super awful or it's good but it clearly looks like a comic or there's the good artwork which is like den bouvet or what you find in sacrifice and things like that where every panel is like a miniature work of art itself because it's got a cinematic tone that's my favorite this is not at all bad the artwork in this what i like about it is it's very detailed there's some nice even facial expressions it's got a lot of detail. It's really nice on that. There's nothing super wrong about how aliens are, you know, they've drawn aliens and that. They, they look good. All of that's fine. However, I think probably it's more down to the coloring. I'm not sure, but it does look and feel like a comic. So I'm not a fan of that, but it's serviceable. It's fine. It's, you've got some nice visuals in there. Story-wise, I think it's best summed up by stupid characters do stupid things for stupid reasons. The writing of it, it's serviceable. 
every so often in Johnson's stories, there's like a, a neat little quote or something. But taken as a whole, it's another example of it's just a A to B to C gauntlet run. There's nothing in there which feels... It's an alien story. It should, if it's not disturbing, there should be moments where it feels at least unsettling. There's nothing like that in here. It just feels like a raw monsters. What you said about the synthetics, it does need to be noted. This is a story which is from the synthetics point of view. The main characters are synthetics. But the problem with that is that you kept reminding that they really don't like humans. Humans are awful. Humans are parasites. Rah, rah, rah. But they're written just like humans. Their mentality is just like a human. The, the, the way they speak is like a human. Yeah, the question of that comes up. Yeah, that is addressed within the story. It didn't do much for me. They, they, it felt like a wasted opportunity. If you're writing them, they should be differentiated from this whole species, which they're judging as they're terrible, I don't like them, rah, rah, rah. And it just, like, well, why are you doing that? So I wasn't a fan of that, no. Did that detract from the story, however? Mm, no, but like Adam said, what was distracting was, and it's not just in the visuals, but mainly the visuals, you keep on getting this. It feels like a superhero versus alien story. As you said, right from the outset, these they're striking poses. There's even a story, if you go to the um, AVP fandom wiki and you look at that, there's even when the team of synthetics introduce themselves and they're all striking pose and they're going, well, you found us, cross his arms, <laughs> yeah. No, don't do that. It feels like this is Avengers, like you feel like it's Black Widow. This is the kind of stuff if Deadpool did a cameo, he would take the piss out of them for doing. Yeah. If you watch the Black Widow movie, Black Widow's sister, she's saying, you're always striking a pose. You know, you get your hair back. Who's that for? Kind of thing. And you laugh because you're thinking, yeah, what's that for? So there's moments where this feels a bit superficial. On the other hand, it's a comic story. Where do they go with it? It's this kind of 1980s story where it's a general. He wants the old team back. Why do you need us back, general? Well, I need to get you on one more mission here. And what is the logic he's using? There's some sort of agricultural planet that's had a nuclear disaster on it. One nuclear reactor isn't going to make an entire planet unusable. Well, not only that, he's like, the planet's an agricultural hub, and so 25 other worlds would like go into ruin. And I'm like, what? There's some dumps in logic. What did they do before that planet was a thing? How did they feed them? So they must have had... But anyway, that's, so it's really stupid logic. He could have said, well, it's classified or something. Again, like I said, they're doing stupid things for stupid reasons. And, you know, they go through some stuff and it felt like, you know, the Marvels, the Eternals, where they're trying to make these individual characters. They want you to root for them because this guy has got the speciality of having this kind like it's it says oh that's the most amy thing you've ever said kind of thing where she says all civilization will come to ruins i just hope we're around to see it but i didn't really care about them because there was nothing there to grab onto so it's just comic characters doing comic things and it, it ultimately felt a bit forgettable so yeah that the art is nice but there's also some other thing like i say there are moments where it just felt like a video game 
And that's not just from, like, you get it in the fights where they're doing these kind of Japanese anime energy swords and longbows. And um, some of them actually have axes. And I'm thinking the acid should be spraying everywhere. It's not. You've got to go down to get this MacGuffin, but you've got to go to fight the queen because the queen's not going to let you. And I'm thinking, well, okay, but the queen's attached to her egg sack. She's just laying eggs. That can't. No, they go down there. Queen is just thump, thump, thumping around. Oh, that's interesting. Why is the queen free? Uh, No, she just is because it's a boss fight. There's no rhyme or reason. They just encounter a queen. She's just thumping around. It's you and me, bitch. This is why I'm saying it's they're written like human characters. Very, very superficial superhero anime kind of character. They're not like synthetic. If you want that, great. If you are really into Firefield from Prometheus, it's like they've taken a Firefield plot device and extended it. I was not a fan of what they did with Firefield. Didn't work for me. So it didn't work for me in this comic. I think someone who was like, I would love to see more Firefield, they do that in this comic. If that's what you want to see, this is the comic for you. For me, it was just like, okay, it's a mutant. What they're going to do? They're just doing mutant things and rah, 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 I'm going to fight you. Nothing interesting was done with the setting for me. They come across things like the wasp type things in Covenant, but it's comic, comic level stuff happens with comic level characters. It doesn't feel like they're using the setting of an alien movie source material to its strengths. What would you go score-wise? I'd say like five out of ten because there's nothing bad about it, but there's there's nothing good about it. I just like, you know, beeline, but that's how my... I didn't feel like up and down, up and down. I just went like, okay, it starts out here. They're doing some anime stuff here. Okay, and then it ends. And yes, they do do things with that, you know, that Lee character, that Sill character. But it felt like everything in Johnson's run was leading up to that because that was how the the first run of his stories was. And it felt like they're going to do something. And you kind of revive that character in a way here. And it felt like that Chekhov's gun principle. They dropped the ball. Like, that is your thing, Johnson. What are you going to do with it? I'm just going to put it out there. And, okay, it would have been nice to see that more closure with that plot device. And Well, we can go into all those specifics later as well anyway. But, Sizzy, go on then. How did you feel about this one? Now that I've heard all your opinions, I like Fifield and I would like to see more Fifield. Okay. <laughs> well, I said my prediction. Yeah. As soon as you said that, I was just like, oh, yeah, the pilot. Yeah. So did you like that element? Did you like what they did with that character here? Did that work for you? I don't know. I feel like they introduced a lot of like cool things, but didn't really have a lot of great payoff, which it's like just issue comics. So sometimes you can't really go too in depth because you're just telling a story through some pictures and a few word bubbles. But it did kind of look like a mummy to me, the way it was drawn, because it was all like gangly and like kind of sinewy looking. So I I do agree with Aaron that I do wish it was a more biomechanical looking because it didn't look like it was really in the middle of like mutating. It just kind of looked like this sinewy mummy creature. (laughs) Kind of like how people do prefer the CGI version of Firefield. Yeah. It leans more into the alien. Yeah, yeah. 
So it, and I, I thought it was going to like, like super fast mutate kind of like the black goo does with things, but it just kind of stayed as, it kind of stayed as the sinewy, gangly mummy type thing. And then uh, that was it. And it kind of looked a little different at the end, but didn't really change all that much. So I was like, oh, I would have liked a little more payoff with that kind of like you're saying with like, ooh, here's the big boss battle. And it's like, oh, no, it's just people being ripped in half. And that's it. You know, <laughs> I think people got ripped in half like three times in this. Yeah, they did have a thing for that, didn't they? Yeah, I think the queen ripped like an android in half twice. And then I think the little creature, I can't even remember what she's, the little mummy thing, that's what I call it, ripped somebody in half <laughs> near the end. Oh, it was Astrid. I think she ripped Astrid in half, I think. Hold on, let me look. She was the red-haired girl. The queen ripped Astrid and Nora in Yeah, her. okay. That's what I was thinking then. The, the little sinewy mummy creature, the character's name was... And I'm surprised that I didn't... Well, I'm not surprised because I'm oblivious to a lot of things. And I'm, I'm curious to hear how you guys feel about this bit as well. But the character who mutates, it's called Lee. Oh. Oh, yeah, it's differently. That, yeah. I was like, how did I not see that one coming? Yeah. Especially for when she got bit. That bit was also a little weird for me because like, she's literally vomiting black. And she says, I'm fine. Don't worry <laughs> about it, guys. Been thinking, <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah you'd well, be I'm... thinking, get me some help. <laughs> I always, I always come back to the pandemic here, Eric. You know, no, no amount of logic can be applied to people. I think illnesses. this is a little more extreme. <laughs> I, I, I still, I can believe people are that fucking stupid when it comes to their own well-being. I mean, this the other bit. They, they screw the synthetic team over to take their shit, even though the synthetics were saying, "Yeah, we'll get you off of this rock." We'll take you off, and they are, then they kill them. They take their ship. I was, why did you do that? There was more to it than that because they didn't want any sample of the alien getting off the planet as well. Before we get into the discussion too much, Sizzy, why don't you finish up and just give us your general thoughts of of the comic? Like, did you like it overall, or did you just kind of feel it was okay? I thought it was fine. The artwork was better than some previous stuff. I did see some things that were like. I kind of have this ongoing thing where it's like, can you guys hire somebody who knows how to draw like aliens competently? Because they they do feel very stiff and whatnot. The story was fine. Like I said, I, it did feel kind of rushed, but there's only so much you can do when you're just doing like these little issue comics through word bubbles and pictures. I wish there was some things like know more about, I guess. I do enjoy a good like, oh, the robots want to be like accepted by humanity. But also it's hard, to, it's constantly hard to believe that it's just like, damn, it's like a bajillion years in the future. And they're still like, you're not one of us, stupid androids. Yes. <laughs> like, they got to do kind of like the racist, like trope thing, I guess. But it's like, hey, you don't always have to do that. You know, do you really think that's unbelievable? <laughs> yeah, I guess they yeah, they would. But I mean, it's like this meme I saw where it's like people wouldn't be racist against androids. Like th people name their little Roombas names and they they paint them pretty colors and give them eyeballs. So like, <laughs> If you're bringing that up, mine's Robbie. What's your guys's? <laughs> we don't have one yet. <laughs> yet. Okay, just me. Okay, well, mine, mine's Robbie the Robot Vacuum. Aw. Original. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say I'm, I'm, I was aiming for any uh, Oscars or anything for... <laughs> Robbie the Robot. <laughs> you just wanted to say D Danger Will Robinson. Was that the name of the... Oh, yeah. I was like, what was the name of the, the robot from uh, Short Circuit? <laughs> 
Oh, Johnny Five. Yeah, Johnny Five. Thank I you. Movies forever. But if you had to give it a score, Sizzy, out of ten, what would you land on? I don't know. Probably like a six. Like it was cool. Like I I read through it and I I wasn't like ugh. You know, it's like, I was like, okay, I'm reading the story. There was never a point where I was just like, I need a break. You know, usually if it's like comes to that point, I'm just like, oh, this is not good. So, I mean, it was fine. Artwork was good. Story was like, I mean, it was very simple, but got the job done. I just wish there was kind of more substance or more payoff to certain things. And Aaron, I believe it's your turn. So... I've struggled last year with a lot of material, I'll be honest. I was, I've been particularly unenthusiastic for a lot of the Expanded Universe's offerings of late. And Marvel's run, and I forgot his name then, Philip Kennedy Johnson's runs have been equally mildly let down. There's always been, and, and it's the same here, there's lots of elements within his stories that I find interesting. And it's it, yeah, it's very much the same here. One of the things that I wish the Expanded Universe would play more with is non-military applications for the aliens. They don't always have yes. to be foot soldiers. As awesome as Nightmare Asylum is, that does not have to be the way we go every time. So I was really thrilled to see that Icarus, you know, was about them getting a sample for medicine. I that was cool. You know, I've, I've wanted to see that so much. And there was lots of things within it. You know, I might not have been terribly keen on the Firefield kind of stuff around the time, you know, when Prometheus first came out, because the EU's played with that in the past, the Bugmen in Aliens, Clone and Marines. And the first time I read that, I, I was like, what the hell is this? But for some reason, you know, the last few years, I've really come around to this idea. So Lee in this was something I was quite quite interested in. The idea of a combat synthetic team is also something I'm really interested in. But it's like you guys have said, it's no real, it doesn't come to a satisfying conclusion at the end of it. And that was the same problem I had with, you know, with Bloodlines, with Revival, I think the other two arcs was called. You know, there was interesting things in there that just didn't quite come to a good close. And this was no different for me narratively. So it was very middle ground from a narrative point of view you know i would i wouldn't quite sit as low as eric on the fives but maybe you know the sort of high sixes i would kind of be inclined to to go here especially because i do quite like julius ota and yeah nitro's artwork in this sorry i always forget the colorists and, and that's probably a very bad thing of comic culture but yeah i really enjoyed their artwork in this my main issue really was in that i did just want a more giga-esque lee character I mean, there's, there's specifics we can dig into here as well, yeah. But with the artwork, it kind of pulls it up. You know, it pulls that score up a bit more that I, I would say, you know, high sixes, low seven. So not my favorite, but not, not my least favorite, but definitely the best out of what Marvel has put out so far for Alien. But I'm glad to see that we're going to be getting a new creative team. And I'm very curious to see what this new run's going to be like. And I've already forgot the name I asked for. I asked about it. It's somewhere online. I'm sure one of us can look at it while we're talking for, to talk about it at the end. But it was okay. It was still one of these things that leaves me a bit ambivalent of all the extra stories we're getting at the minute. You know, I should have Enemy of My Enemy arriving soon. And I'm just, I would normally be quite keen to just dig into anything as they show up. And last year just really sapped a lot of my enthusiasm. And, you know, a large part of that was Marvel's, Marvel's effort. But thankfully, Philip Kennedy Johnson ends on a better note, in my opinion. So we're all kind of in the five to seven range, it would seem. There is a difference. I mean, that, that, that <laughs> is a little bit of a range, but yeah, I mean, it's very much towards the middle. 
yeah should we say i didn't find it bad just that's so for me when i say five that means like completely average down the line it would have been lower based on the writing but as aaron said the art did push it up it's just that it's comic art it's not the kind of art i think when you're doing alien it should have a cinematic tone to it so it's good art it's detailed it's just generic comic art it's not how an alien comic should really look in my opinion but again that's my opinion not many alien comics do do that but the art for me did push it up from what it otherwise would have been for me. I think artwork-wise, they do in this what I like in terms of reference to other things. So, you know, like in the previous episodes, Adam, uh, Eric, we've talked about things like liking callbacks to other entries, other pieces of lore, but previous artists have taken that a bit too far in terms of straight-up tracing, a straight-up copy, it's plagiarism, whereas this one did more of what I like, and that's things like the Fireteam Elite weaponry used by the, the team in this, or the the interpretation of the Praetorian. Granted, it was a waste in terms of narrative in this, but to see that interpretation, you know, I like that kind of stuff, and it, it definitely wasn't didn't look like, at least to me, says you feel free to correct me here, it didn't look like it was a copy of a publicity still from the game. You know, it looked like properly referenced material. So that was that was a nice little treat to see. I especially liked seeing the fire team elite weaponry in here. Yeah. I will say what you mentioned earlier about the United System stuff. I would, it was a this was a an aspect of it I thought was a pleasant surprise. It set after Alien 3 it's edging into that alien resurrection territory because you've got United Systems military. And when you said about, well, they're not just going after weapons, they're doing... And this is a highlight of resurrection for me. Not that the film does anything with it. No, but they in the film they, they said, oh, yeah, it's, it's new vaccines, it's alloys. Like, that's where the strength of getting the... It's not just mm-hmm. putting collars on them and making them attack people. It's what can you do with it as a biological organism? You would take paper patents from it. You would take many patents and they're implying that's what they're doing here. It's nice to see that. But again, like you said, they have these elements. They don't really do much with it. It's a thing that they touch on and then they leave it. And and to be fair, you know, that's not necessarily just a Marvel, just a Philip Kennedy Johnson thing. No, you know, a lot of the expanded yeah. universe is guilty of that because then they don't yeah. want to step on the toes of, you know, other things coming in the way. And when it gets yeah. like that, it almost gets to the point of, well, what's the point? Yeah. Why are you even trying to do this? It's still nice, though, that they're not just because up to now, it's kind of like it's felt like the EU is kind of trapping itself in that Aliens, Alien 3 sandbox. They're pushing it out a bit now. Like even the dropship looked different. There's some evolution now. It's UD4L variant yeah. was this one. <laughs> it did feel like United Systems was a bit too close after Alien 3, though. I mean, there's a 200-year gap there, so I would have thought that would have developed a bit later personally but i don't know um i was also going to bring up the fire team elite weapons like like you did Aaron. that was cool to see because you know we do play we do like that game and uh to see that kind of influencing the wider expanded universe a bit more with some of the really strong designs that were part of that game is is mm-hmm. great to see it's the same thing with aliens colonial marines you know even though the game was disappointing it had some really cool weapon designs that would make appearances in some of the later comics to see that again with fire team elite was really cool what did we think of the concept of steel team though 
<laughs> the name was a little seal team steel Cringe. team like yeah <laughs> i like the i like the idea of just like oh it's an it's an elite android or a synthetic team i thought that was cool but i i do agree with eric that they did a, a too much like superhero backflips or i guess like all of you kind of agreed on that that it was like little too much like i always feel like alien is kind of grounded in reality but i am up for like a little bit of you know okay they're stronger like show show me that they're stronger by like they punch an alien and its head explodes or something not like flying like <laughs> i don't think that would have done for me oh, no maybe not an alien maybe maybe uh like a door or something you know yeah. i'm gonna open this door you know really strong like, like in Terminator 2, where Arnold, he just gets a hold of the garage door and he just pulls it up, like the chains just snap. Yeah, like yeah, that, that yeah. kind of stuff, where it's like they're strong and they're fast, rather than like doing backflips off like a giant mushroom at the beginning, and they're all just like, they look like they're flying like superhero-like poses, maybe think of like Wonder Woman type stuff, <laughs> like they're just like, whoosh! I'm coming. Yeah, it felt like that Indiana Jones scene where the guy is doing all this with his sword and Indiana Jones just gets out his guns and shoots him because it's yeah. like it's no purpose to it. They're just going... Whoosh, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm not opposed to Alien getting a little wacky and crazy sometimes. I know you don't like it, Aaron, but like that arcade game, like Aliens Armageddon, like sometimes you can push the envelope and get a little out there and places like comic books, like the place <laughs> to do that, right? Arcade game, they can be silly. <laughs> I agree, like... There were a lot of moments in this comic where it was like, we're veering into superhero territory. I mean, not only with the weaponry, but just their designs. Like when they went out, they, they run into this human group that they find that has been surviving on this old whaling yutani It was like a showcase world and there was an alien outbreak and it was abandoned. And this group of synthetics that are looking for this egg that is part of the specific alien strain because it could have anti-radioactive properties. They find this human group and then the human group is like, well, the only place to get one of these eggs is in the queen's hive, but she'll never let you take an egg without fighting her. But then they all go down there and they all have these like raggedy kind of cloaks on, which I guess it's because of the rain, but I'm like, they're, they're androids. They're going to get wet. Like, uh, why does it matter? You know, but it's just so they could look cool really. So they can have these hooded tattered cloaks, you know, <laughs> you didn't dig the Mad Max vibes. It did look cool. I mean, it did kind of do the job, but but it was like, okay, we're veering into superhero territory. Not to mention, yeah, like one of them just pulls a bow out of nowhere and then you have like dual beam swords and a battle axe. And I'm like, wait a minute, you all had like assault rifles two seconds ago and you're pulling out all these other weapons. Like, I think that was my least favorite part of the concept of them being a, a team of synthetics, basically. You know, it's like, as he was saying, there were other ways to demonstrate that they were stronger, better, faster. And that's not the lyrics. What is it? Um, harder, better, stronger. Harder, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that feeds into one of the things I do really not like about the comic, and that is there's such emphasis on this close quarters combat with the aliens. You know, the fucking <laughs> the axe is fucking ridiculous, and you know that that is how this comic chooses to demonstrate that the Steel Team's fucking amazing and badass and stronger than any human soldier can be, and blah blah blah. And it all feeds into this close quarters combat where you've got fucking swords and axes and crossbows, and it doesn't feel alien you know it does no. not feel like it belongs it's not grounded i'm also going to sound like a bit of a hypocrite here because it's a part of 
Phalanx, which is a book I really fucking enjoy, but that is the world that book is set in and it's a danger to those characters. You know, they are doing that because that is all they have the means to do and it will generally kill them until, mm. you know, the, the magic leaf is found in that book, shall we say. But yeah, in this, there is no consequence really to that close quarters aspect of, of the combat in here. And yeah, it just, it doesn't work. One of the androids literally rips the Praetorian's head off. Yeah, which was, it was so fucking, it, that, oh, yeah. that was, that was silly. <laughs> Eric, Sizzy, you were saying, you know, other ways to demonstrate. And the comic does do that at one point, but perhaps yeah. not in strength, but it has Seth burned through a door with his hands. You know, his hands mm. had this heat generation capability, whatever. That didn't feel too far out there. That was a better way of demonstrating how they were different. Again, it's a concept I like yeah. that the comic doesn't pull off. I mean, for what they could have, for instance, they didn't, what I was mentioning earlier. Basically, if you enter into close call to combat with an alien, you've already lost because that's their territory. Unless you're an awesome predator. Yeah, and even there, there should be more. Yeah, there should be more consequence. Because they've got corrosive fluid. You open an alien, it sprays all over you. You, you get draped, right? You get hixed. It goes over. You're not going to have a good day. <laughs> and here, they could have used that. It could have shown them having really good agility and reflexes, getting out of the way. And regenerative skills as well. You know, another reason they would be better than humans. And what have we had here? I mean, they're going back to the Fifield thing. What did we have in Covenant? We had Walter being able to regenerate to some extent. So they could have used that. They didn't. I think a better way to have used... They clearly wanted to do the anime slash Marvel superhero thing here. So why didn't they, instead of doing androids, why didn't they play into the whole biological augmentation thing and have them genetically enhanced, which would have played back into the old EU with, if you remember, General Spears. He was meant to have been these, these soldiers in artificial wombs that were made super soldiers, but they were a bit mentally unbalanced. They could have done something like they didn't have to do that, but they could have played with that concept. That would explain why they've got this you and me bit sort of very emotional kind of thing. They would have come off as genetically enhanced human super soldiers. That would have been fine. I think for me, Aaron's question is, what do I think of a team of synthetic soldiers these days? And it might be shreds these days. In the 80s, yeah, it was one of the things that grounded it. These days, you look at aliens and you think, well, the way things are heading now, it probably wouldn't that far in the future be a team of human soldiers. They would be weaponized droids. But I think if you're doing that for the military, they're not going to look humanoid. I know you've got Bishop and that, but Bishop's purpose is not to fight. He's not on the combat front lines. Bishop's purpose is to communicate, analyze, drive things that are maybe designed for a human pilot to sit in, things like that. If you're doing a, a weapons system, a weapons platform for the military, it's not going to look humanoid. And these characters who have basically, it starts off, they've retreated from the world because they've been screwed over, betrayed by humans, as they see it so many times. So they've gone on their own world. Like They could have used that. It would have been maybe interesting to see them like they are mechanical. They have a few extra limbs or something. They've augmented themselves over time. Things to that they are clearly not human. Like a T-600 type look. 
like from Terminator, like they're a yeah. little bulkier, you know, yeah. they got like a metal shell on their arm because, oh, this is the right. strong guy. He's got the, you know, right. he's really big and he's got like a metal jaw and, you know, yeah, he's got see, metal artistically, hands. Yeah, artistically, you can bring in those specialities when it's a machine because you can have them augmented for different purposes because form follows function. So they would each have their specialities and that would help to differentiate the characters more in turn. Well, if they did if they did covert ops, I mean it might be beneficial to be able to pass as human. This was meant to be like an elite special forces team. So this was one that are doing combat primarily. So I think they they needed to look more mechanical, blah blah blah. I think it was a mistake to do synthetics as these kind of units. I would like them to be more kind of Terminator-esque if they are meant to be military weaponized droids, have weapons built into their arms or something. Do that. More like the combat sensors we've seen them in like AVP2. Well, no, because that, yeah, they are still bishops, but like if you're going to do it, make it like a Terminator because that's a militarized droid. I wouldn't say AVP2 or AVP2010 was... I just saw that they were just like in those ape suit things, weren't they? But they were like, you took the mask off and they were still looked, to me, they looked like the human ones that have just been given extra clothes. They were still holding guns and things. If you're going to make a military droid, it is going to look like something that is optimized for combat, not for passing for a human. Because that is yeah. not that is not what it's manufactured for. We've had a few different interpretations of the combat synths, and I think this is the first time we've seen combat synths that just look like any other synthetic. I mean, in Alien Covenant, you do see like David and Walter, the crazy martial arts fight, right? So it's like, yeah, they, they can fight for sure. Yeah, but it's not what they're designed for. It's just yeah. something they can do, yeah. But I mean, you have the Davis concept as well with the Sikhs and combat sense. I think what this was going for, though, in this story is it, it kind of needed them to be human passing because there was the question that they had, well, is this just kind of a sick joke? Are we really just like them? Because when one of the androids is about to die, he says, oh, I can see this other android that he had a romantic relationship with. And Seth, who is the android character that's the most distrustful and hateful of humans, is like... Well, that's Eli, really. Oh, was it Eli? Seth was the one who who said he saw. Yeah, right? Seth, Seth said he saw Nor okay. um, Nora, but he mixed up. I think Eli also said a little earlier, you know, that Seth was perhaps seeing a bit too much of themselves in humanity. I think they had that conversation yeah. in the second issue. Well, it was interesting because he rips out his own eyes to grieve his partner, and I'm like, how is he still? Yeah. Seeing they still look like understand. the eyes of their cameras, and that's how they see, right? Like, well, you see, that's that. That was a very my note on that is really fucking cool visual. But why the fuck? It's like, I need to cry for her, so <laughs> I'm gonna rip my eyes out. I'm like, androids can I'm cry, so like we guys. saw David cry in Alien Covenant. Like, but that also brings up. I mean, this all opens up a whole other conversation. You know what you're saying there, Adam? About yeah, but the cameras are in their eyes, and I'm sort of like, yeah, but why would you design androids with human weaknesses in in that way? You know, I'm exactly. Like, yeah. I'm like, I would never put the fucking brain up here. I'd put it down in leg or something. You know, somewhere you'd have it protected somewhere. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't give 
realistically than the same weakness as a as a human but that's a whole other that's just a whole other conversation but but again this is why they should have done it like genetically enhanced humans that would have made the story made much more sense in every way if they were genetically and it would have fed back into that old eu concept of genetically designed super soldiers spears as synthetics i mean it could have made it so that they were like bishops but like cool in resurrection she you know they disconnected themselves from the network it could have been like that they weren't designed for combat but blah 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 but they wanted to do this 1980s oh i need you for just one more mission guys and they believe him and then right at the end yeah he really was lying anyway was and it was a little like oh, was his like <laughs> his pilots like oh I heard a rumor that all the androids are going to get freedom. He's like, huh, you heard wrong. We're never going to give them freedom, which I mean, I was like, okay, well, by the time alien resurrection rolls around, we know they don't have freedom. They've yeah. been eradicated. So we knew this was coming. Right. But it was just very mustache twirly how the general was like, yeah, he literally has a mustache as well. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like a throwaway line too. I, I wish it was like a little more dramatic to where it's like they found out like, oh yeah, he's just going to betray you or something like that. Rather like some buildup, like, oh my God, we trusted mm. you kind of thing. Yes. Like, hey, do a little more theater with it rather than just like, oh yeah, I, I heard this, uh, you know, through the grapevine. Oh yeah, they'd never do that. Psh. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, cool, thanks. Please fill me in. <laughs> And speaking of betrayal, I didn't think it made much sense for the human group they ran into to betray them either, because they take them to the queen and they lock them behind a gate and they're like, well, we can't let the eggs leave the planet because if, you know, if people need the aliens to survive, it would doom them anyway. And I'm like, well, that's how you've survived, obviously, (laughs) you know, so... And that didn't, as I said, it did. The reason for them going there, it was meant to be because it's agricultural planet and they needed, there was a nuclear disaster one nuclear it wouldn't have done the whole planet and what did they need it to do they need it so that people as opposed to radiation hardened machines could go down there and be manual labor but if the whole planet has gone to hell anyway you're not going to be growing crops there now choose another planet or something well, I mean, they just have to immune, immunize everyone to radiation so you can have radioactive produce radioactive now. carrots <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that did get an eyebrow raise out of me because it, it, it was more about well there's too many people for us to evacuate realistically so let's just inoculate them so they can stay down there or just get machines which would realistically be doing that kind of stuff anyway then there should have been a more... jobs eric people are gonna lose their jobs do you know how not anymore they're not they're gonna lose their lives yeah it was a strange motivation but again because i said it's stupid characters doing stupid things for stupid reasons it collapses when you try and analyze it i did like the idea of this group of of humans that survived a larger outbreak that had multiple bunkers like i wish it kind of would have gone into that more and not have it just be like yes oh here's this community and they backstabbed you and now they're all dying you know it could have been a nice expansion of some of the interesting things of the original Earth, Hive Earth War sort of series yes. you know, with, with, with Billy seeing all the broadcasts of the survivors. You know, it would have been nice to have had something with those survivors, you know, that post-apocalyptic kind of vibe yeah, to agree. it. Because yeah, you're big you're big on the Fallout games, huh, Natasha? Yeah. It was kind of weird that they introduced like that whole kind of like surviving colony thing. This is what I'm going back to of like introducing an interesting thing, but it doesn't really have a good payoff is like, oh, okay. Oh, they're all dead now. All right. (laughs) 
like <laughs> cool that was neat like i said it's hard to do it in a comic but you know they got all this stuff that they just need to cover <laughs> yeah you're talking about things they don't do there was they meet a child the child is deaf and they there was an interesting way they um convey the hand yeah. signals where they do a, like a speech bubble from the hand i really like that yeah yeah that same but I was thinking, okay, something's being foreshadowed here. The child is deaf. What's caused them to be nothing? It just had a child who happens to be deaf. I thought what they were going to do, they were going to get into a situation where the child couldn't make noise because it would attract attention. So it would have to do handsing. And the one person who'd been looking at the CCTV would see the hand signals and understood what the situation was. Something like that. Use the fact. I don't think it needs a purpose. It can just be like for representation. Yeah, it can. But again, but again, it's Chekhov's gun. You see the f- gun on the mantel plate on over the fireplace in Act One. By Act Three, it should be fired. This is an unusual character trait. Someone who's deaf, and it's the only child in the colony that I, re- I remember. I think, or at least it's the only prominent one. But they don't use that. They could have used it, and it didn't. And again. The whole thing felt very much like a like a kind of Resident Evil video game. This would have, if you'd have played this as a video game, it would have gone like, yeah, this is a, a decent video game. But it it's meant to be read, digested over time as a story. I think as a story, it was a bit. It felt felt flat. If this was a video game, it would have been like, yeah, this is a this is how video games are. But that's that's where they keep doing this stuff. And but I think the deaf child was an interesting addition. But it was just random child. And although okay, that turned out to be the MacGuffin that they needed to get off planet. But I still think they could have been interesting things you could have done with that child, and they didn't. I thought the child was an interesting character, and and it was a point of connection for Freya, our our main android character, because she you know she hadn't written off humanity like Eli had, and they her and Eli come to blows over it because he hates humanity, and it's alluded to that he has a good reason to, but we never we never find out what that is. It never really goes into that. Yeah, we didn't, did we? Mm-mm. I was like, he's just like he's the one that hates the humans. <laughs> the end. But eventually, he he comes around. There was a bit of dialogue earlier on it where one of them said David wept. And the phrase is usually Jesus wept. And I thought, oh, is that a reference to David 8? It is, because at the end of the comic, they're like, do you ever go into the philosophical archives and and the teachings of David? And I'm just like, yeah, I was wondering, is that the David? (laughs) And there was was another line earlier as well where Freya's talking to the boy for the first time. And she says, you know, you have sandy hair like somebody else I used to know. And I was kind of like, is that either Seth or David? And... Let's talk this then, because I don't think I like it. I'll be honest, you know, and I say this as somebody who fucking loves David as a character. I think he's one of the best things to come to the franchise. And and this includes his portrayal in in Covenant. You know, I think he's one of the best things to come to the franchise for a while. But the need to bring it into this story and the implications that you can make from it, you know, that somehow all synthetics have access to, you know, David's teachings. It's it's just a thing, you know. There's no wonder they all rebel and everything happens with the Autons and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, 
we didn't need this. We really didn't need this. Yeah, it no, seems no. like a wouldn't this be cool kind of moment, you know, like it just a one of, of those pointless callbacks. But I mean, it also you'd have thought it would be one of those things where they, they would have, I assume, had to run it by Disney or whoever. I would have thought Disney would have said, no, don't touch David Ape because we don't want to mess with that character's fate because that opens a massive can of worms. Here, yeah, they're basically well, saying that David A has got back in, he's either come back or he's got back in well, contacts. One of the one of the recent novels, uh, Inferno's Fall, also kind of alluded to to David being around as well. Right. Yeah. So that's that's a big. Hmm. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. Have so, sorry, guys, we're not, we're not getting prequel three. Adam, you can rejoice. <laughs> I'm actually disappointed because I I want. You David want me to, to be the space be jockey no. and you to no. finally turn against no. the prequels. No, no. Because <laughs> I know I, that's what it'll take. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> he just wants to gotcha. <laughs> Why would you want to burn the house around us? Yeah, Adam wants to destroy the fandom just to win the argument against Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Friendship. <laughs> yeah. I think David's a generic enough name, a common enough name, sorry, that you can probably wiggle your way out of that, but it's very clearly intended to be David. But yeah. Although I did actually quite like David Wept as a line. I think that might be something I use going forwards. Yeah, I liked. Yeah, that was an intro. This is what I said. Every so often Johnson comes up with these interesting turns of phrase. This was one of them where he said David Wept because that's instantly. That. <laughs> going to be at the end of the Hellraiser movie, like when he says Jesus Wept oh, and then he gets right. torn to pieces, but one. it's going to be David Wept and then the android like gets oh, torn to pieces. Oh, that wasn't yeah. the new one. That wasn't the new one. That was the original one, actually. Yeah, the, yeah it the was original. the the first Hellraiser. Frank gets torn The next time when Bishop gets impaled, he should be Hey, well, they did a lot of just tearing apart of the androids and people in there, so they could actually. They that was like a prime opportunity to, to be a David Wept moment. So androids being ripped apart. That's another thing I've got notes on here. Is that it seems to be killing our synthetic characters in the story, and it's like, yeah, but we've seen like three different alien synthetic characters in the film survivors just heads. And many more within the expanded universe. This does not seem like something that should be yeah. killing our our synthetics, especially combat synthetics. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah. It's it's not even that first. I think early on, there's one of them that says, "Oh, it'll kill us," or "What if it kills you?" Sort of thing. And my immediate thought was, "Well, don't you have a backup?" Like they'd have just downloaded themselves to have a backup somewhere, and it's just literally putting them in a new body because it's it's no different to like the, you're copying a hard drive. Right. Yeah, but that, that's actually something we've criticised in those other stories because it removes the tension. Yeah, but it should. That's why not. They should have had backups. So but does that does that point more towards your your point of uh, make him human? Even within this comic yeah. itself, we see Eli take a piece of rebar right through his head, and he just gets repaired later. So yeah, it was kind of a weird moment where one of them gets torn apart by the queen. There's another one that gets snuck up on by the queen later and, and gets head bitten. And that one, I'm like, okay, you could probably say that one's dead, but. There was one earlier that just gets torn in half and the android's like, oh, she's gone. We got to go. It's like, I'm pretty sure she, you, she could still be recovered based just on what we've seen in other androids and what we see later in this comic where, again, Eli takes a stab right through the head and gets repaired. You just want this meme of Bishop playing on the Celico floor going, hi, I'm still here. <laughs> And this reminds me of another thing I thought was quite strange of the comics. So the whole reason they, they need to send these androids to this overrun Wayland planet is because they say, well, the aliens won't attack synthetics, right? And then yeah. 
the I'm synthetics just immediately they open do. fire on the aliens <laughs> for one but you don't know maybe the aliens were rushing them i don't know it's like first of all would you try to just not engage them you know if you thought that but they even make the point like well the general told us the aliens wouldn't attack synthetics this is weird I, I, it kind of reminded me of aliens fireteam elite too right like while you see aliens and synthetics fighting each other you hear esther be like aliens won't attack synthetics unless they are attacked first why are they attacking the aliens then <laughs> so it even told don't even open a door if you don't have to now in fairness johnson does have a character say oh it's being around general marsh and his guys or something they can smell the humans on us yeah, but I, think that's I, mean, I don't think that's enough because like the, the entire facility would have had the smell of humans it doesn't they're like a cat <laughs> oh they can smell the other cat on you <laughs> they can smell the human on you I did think it was cool that they started it with the aliens setting a trap, though. You know, trying to imitate the noise that... Like in a, like in AVP with the... Oh, well, in fact, in Alien Resurrection with leaving the guns, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So that is always something I do very much appreciate in, in any Alien piece of media. So I actually got a little bit of a, a kick out of them doing that. It was an interesting moment where one of the humans talks about, are the aliens doing this just to be sadistic? You know, like that was one of the, the moments of the comic is like, yeah, it's an interesting thing you bring up there. I like smart aliens. So, yeah. Yeah. They do mention all oh, this strain is meant to be smarter and more intelligent than other. Where? They're not de- more intelligent. They just act just like all the other aliens, mostly. Yeah. But that that is, again, no, it's one of those interesting elements that the comic kind of brings up but doesn't stick the landing with but like that idea is something i absolutely love you know the idea of selectively breeding the aliens through the use of hosts fucking brilliant you know it's something that not genocide the one with kleist um rogue it's something rogue sort of brings up in passing but never really dives into and it's another one of those things that i wanted to see better explored so when when they were theorizing when what was the name melody was sort of explaining the idea behind the strain and behind how they developed this version of the alien whose eggs they could then use to create these better cures was very fascinating to me but again it's just it's just not something the comic sticks the landing with because yeah sure they you see some shoes hanging off the top of a hive as they're talking about sadism and stuff like that but that's that and the trap are really the only demonstrably intelligent parts of of this icarus strain as they like to call it but again it's, it's a concept that's cool but philip kennedy johnson don't really stick the landing with it and also i noticed that these human characters who are meant to be They've spent years around this hive. They're really super familiar with the aliens. And they talk about, oh, yeah, they, they, they're not going to attack or whatever. Um, they do it to eat and kill for the right to mate. Well, I don't think she was talking literally about the aliens. I was confused that that, that bit too. They were like queens are born laying eggs. But they the don't... aliens, yeah, aliens aren't acting like that. So let's talk about this Gigeresque Lee character. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't pick up on that either. Her name is spelled L-E-E. The mummy? Instead of L-I. Yeah, the mummy. Who wasn't really biomechanical until the very last panel, and then she was a little bit. But 
yeah, she's essentially an abomination of a five field monster. And it, it's kind of silly how she gets infected too, because they couldn't find the egg initially, the synthetic team. So they pick up these samples of these insects that have also survived. And she's, I guess, scavenging through one of the androids equipment and an insect has broken out of, of a little container, but she doesn't notice it. But Eli does notice it on her, but doesn't warn her because he hates humanity. So he's like, it's, it's nothing, forget it. But we can put together that she was bitten by the insect and over time she gets sick and starts vomiting a black substance and then transforms into this killer abomination monster. And she's immediately accepted by the aliens. You know, she leads the aliens back to the human bunker to attack it, which, uh, that would have been contradictory to Captain if some of those deleted scenes had stayed in the movie with, with how the xenomorphs and how the pathogen monsters uh, fight each other. And I guess even more recently, Aliens Fire Team Elite, right? Like the pathogen monsters and the xenomorphs fight each other. So again, another case of the black goo doing whatever the writer wants it to They're do. They're friends in the RPG as well, if I remember rightly. So we've got very much different interpretations going off. Yeah. I, I'm assuming you just fucking hated the concept and the character. I don't mind the concept of a human that has somehow joined the xenomorphs and has become hybridized like Sarah Kerrigan in Starcraft, right? Like you take that concept and put it with xenomorphs. That's kind of a cool idea. I mean, it was done really well, I thought, in um, Indicribdis. And so I'm not completely opposed to the concept. It was just kind of weird to see, like, does this mean Fifield would have just eventually continued to turn into a xenomorph? Well, that was that was yes. the intent with Firefield. Yeah, he was supposed to be getting an elongated skull initially, and then they changed yeah. him to just to, to a zombie. Yeah, so well, he was going to have his head blown apart, apparently. So it's like, does the black goo just turn you into an alien esque monster? But the aliens recognize you as one of your own, then. Like, so I don't know. It's it was just more like confusing. Black goo is confusing again. Here we go. <laughs> what about you, Sissy? How did you feel about Lee? The mummy? Um, yes. <laughs> you refuse to give her a name, don't you? Yeah, no, because I thought it looked like a the uh, like some type of mummy mummy creature from the 1990s mummy, but eventually it did get like more creature esque looking. But I don't know. I thought I thought there was going to be like that. Oh, more mutation throughout the comic when she started changing, and so I was kind of hoping for that payoff, but that didn't really happen. I like, yeah, just I wish it was more biomechanical at the end. And it was just I did. I did like trying to be positive because I, I realized we're being very negative to a lot of things here. Uh, I did like how the other aliens were like, hey, what's she doing? Oh, yeah, she's t- she's going to take us to where all the other humans are. Let- let's go. You know, so it's like it kind of was that um that old zombie movie where the guy turns into a zombie and then he leads all the other zombies to because he still is conscious enough and he takes all the other zombies to where all the humans are hiding. Day of the Dead, I think it was Day of the Dead, maybe. But I like that idea where it's like, oh, no, <laughs> you messed up. <laughs> like, And she took all the aliens to where the people were. So I liked that because they're kind of like recognizing her as, oh, wait, wait, she's she's talking to us. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's go eat those humans. So that was kind of fun. I was actually a little worried about her in this. You know, I. Yeah. I love the concept of a mutated human. You know, we, we talk about this on the streams. We've talked about this in other podcasts. You know, I love the idea of Syl or Lee as being a part of the alien franchise. It's why I actually really liked The Lady in the Dark in the original series, you know, in, in, I say original series, good God, the first series that Philip Kennedy Johnson did for Marvel. 
But I was also kind of like, this is set in the future after all those. I really don't want her to become that thing and then have some time traveling, time bending, hive consciousness shenanigans. So I'm I'm kind of a little bit glad that was left a little bit ambiguous because I really yeah, didn't yeah. <laughs> want a definitive answer going off there. But yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you in terms of that little bits of humanity sticking around and playing into a disaster, or whether it's intentional, whether she's like, you know, fuck these guys then. Or yeah. A desire to return to that location, to you know, to that home, so to speak. Eric, go ahead. <laughs> He wants to say something. <laughs> Let's do Susie a favour. Anxana Moon. <laughs> this is not a new plot device. It's like even Starship Troopers 2 did it. Somebody mutates. They have a bond. They lead the enemy into the camp. It, it's not new. So if you're going to use an old trope like this, do something inventive with it. Do something new. I think what they want to do is basically copy the Borg Queen. So there will be a character who knows how to speak English, but they'll convey alieny type things and they'll want a Borg Queen type plot device. That's probably where this was trying to head. It can communicate. To. It didn't work because this was just, it transforms into monster, rah, rah, rah. And the other aliens go, oh, hi, you. And then. <laughs> That's it. That's what happens with it. If you're going to do something with it, make it interesting. They didn't make this interesting for me. They introduced interesting things, though. I think that's what we're kind of getting at is like, I like this, but it didn't really have a good payoff. There's lots of cool (laughs) concepts that don't quite land, basically. Yeah, if you're going to do this, I'm like, I would have been interested if they'd have maybe cracked open a sarcophagus or like an engineer cryopod or something and it was another species which had already been transformed long ago it's not human because the the power of alien to me has always been making things alien alien mentality alien concepts something which has lived through alien things that we haven't even begun to explore that's interesting making a human part alien could be interesting but if you're going to go that like really go full or make it something like that where it opens secrets it, it raises interesting questions this was not this was just let's turn somebody into a zombie unleash them into the complex they can yeah. lead them into the camp but what was stopping a normal alien from just finding them like maybe it could have been one of these synthetic team they did something stupid and they led them there well they opened it the door because they see her tracker waiting yeah outside. but but an alien could have forced it open or it could have come through an air duct or maybe they could have been chased into a new place and they hadn't yet checked all the entrances. There are ways and means to do it. If you're going to have an, a human character mutate, do something interesting. This is why, for me, Firefield didn't work, because it was just like a generic zombie. Mm-hmm. Here, that's what they've done with this. So it could have been interesting, but... It does make you wonder what is the end stage for kind of abomination mutation, right? Because, I mean, again, in Aliens Fireteam Elite, we see tons of them running around and they don't seem to be evolving into anything further. But it's like, if this keeps going, is this just going to be this xenomorphic creature that joins the hive, you know? 
I think it depends. Again, it's it's the do whatever button of the black goo. It depends on how that black goo is programmed and what the author wants to do with it and all that kind of stuff, which then leads to a whole question of, you know, is there a pure version of it that does, you know, lead to the creation of Sill, you know, a genuine Sill kind of thing? I, I agree with Eric. I think ultimately it will end up in being a very much a bug queen role within the hive and that's either going to be a bit shitty or or be pulled off really well you know it's got locutus of borg where they're able to communicate with humanity yeah that's what it'll be used for but what's weird about it is the aliens have this kind of semi-worshipping thing with her because at the end she's centralized and they're all, all the aliens are clustered around her and yet she is basically a diluted alien she's half human or what so would they revere her all aliens take on aspects of the, the host, though, so really there's no pure aliens. Yeah, but it's their own DNA. They're not. But my point is, why would they revere her if she's clearly more human than they are? It should be like maybe they'd accept her, but why are they doing this like, semi-worship of her when the character hasn't done anything to deserve it? They've just mutated. They, she doesn't have something special that they don't. So it feels like that worship is not earned. But you could also play with elements of that as well. So perhaps her ability to hold on to a consciousness more indicates maybe she has better control over the hive mind rather than being a bestial kind of thing. And then it wasn't demonstrated. No, I know, I know it wasn't demonstrated, yeah. but I think there's things you could do with it. But again, do it with another story. In this story, it didn't do anything interesting with it. I was going to say, it was interesting how we've had this returning concept of the woman in the dark, right? That Philip Kennedy Johnson has, has come up with this sill type character. In the first arc, it was very much kind of a psychological or telepathic manifestation of like the destroying scourge of the aliens, right? It wasn't an actual character, whereas now we're veering in the this is becoming an actual character kind of thing. So you have to wonder... Are the two intentionally connected? You know, maybe, like you said, Aaron, maybe there's some time traveling thing. Like maybe this is like Please. a premonition. Well, didn't she even have the horns as well? Like that first story's character had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you see that on issue six here. Well, it's on the cover, but I, yeah. I don't think it's, is it on the final page? No, no, she doesn't look like that. I mean, it's obviously intended to be the same thing, but I think it was just in there because it was clearly Philip Kennedy Johnson's last run, and he was like, well, fuck, I better, I better do something with it. Yeah. If we're on positives, though, I will say there are a lot of really nice panels. I, I liked a lot mm-hmm. of the art of the Queen alien. I thought that was really well done. And some of the carnage scenes, like when the aliens do break into the human bunker and you see the kid uh, hiding in a locker, like that was a cool panel as well as there's even an Alien 3 kind of nod with the Queen and the kid a bit later. I really liked the visual of that insanely impractical alien hive. And, and you know, the like spider web thing where there was eggs hanging off the, the webs. I mean, it makes no fucking sense because, you know, it doesn't. But it looked really cool. There's lots of really cool sort of panels in this. There was one early on in towards the end of issue one, you know, where you see the aliens in... The alcoves is it sort of doing these establishing shots of locations that I thought was really brilliant as well. Yeah, again, Julius Ota, Yen, uh, Nitro, love the artwork. I'd like to see them back. Yeah. With like a different writer. I think it would be interesting to see them come back. I think they were pretty solid. Mm -hmm. But uh, what do you you think, Sizzy? Because I know you are, uh, how, how should I say this? You have high standards with alien artwork because you are a very nice alien artist yourself. Oh, well, gee, 
I mean, I thought like some of them, if we're just talking about like the alien artwork, I mean, it's it's fine. I don't like how some of the aliens look like really stiff looking. I think that's like just me, though, like especially when they're like jumping or climbing like I'd like a little this guy does draw like really dynamic poses. Like we were talking with like all the Marvel jumping and superhero stuff. It's like, wow, this is really great. But then like some of the aliens, it's like they do look like I'm not saying they are posed action figures, but they do have that like look about them. Like it's not as fluid, I suppose. The queen looked really good, like you said, but it it did seem like the same, like, I don't know what to do with all these alien fingers. So they're just kind of like in this just generic claw type look. Sometimes they didn't always match up. I don't know. Like sometimes (laughs) the queen alien had like her, the like incisor teeth. And then sometimes all of her teeth were sharp. I noticed that. I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. With the warriors as well. Sometimes the teeth were just all pointy and other times it would show them like you have the the more flat ones in the front and then the canines, like it would kind of go back and forth between teeth styles a little bit. It's weird. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of weird. I do kind of wish they would like get somebody that's like could just draw really like bomb aliens. I think that would be so cool. But comparatively to the art we've gotten previously, I'm like, wow, this is way nice. Compared to LaRocca. Yeah, this yeah. is massive. Like you can actually up. tell, like you can look at, you can see like the sketch lines and stuff. It's not too much as left to the colorist. I mean, a lot of times now, because coloring has gotten so, so much easier, you know, they can do a lot of detail with shading rather than just flat color. But yeah, you can see like the sketch lines and stuff. It's like, okay, yeah, they knew what they were doing. This wasn't just like they were copying poses kind of thing. I like how the main Freya, how she looked. I don't know if any of you guys are fans of Michael Turner's comics. He did Soulfire and Fathom, but I feel like they were kind of influenced by some of his. He drew some really nice babes. He did like Witchblade and stuff like that, too. He worked on that. Oh, yeah. I think I probably saw some of his stuff in the the old Tomb Raider comics because that was also a top cow. Yeah, he did Top Cow. Yeah, but there's the, and this isn't a criticism because we're all influenced by different things, but I was thinking about it. He did this comic called Fathom and the main character Aspen kind of looks like Freya a little bit, which I like because I'm like, yeah, she was a pretty cool like heroine, but it's the same thing. She's got like black hair. She's got really pretty eyes with like the long eyelashes and like a slightly deeper skin tone. So I was like, hey, I see a little bit of influence there. I don't know if that was the idea. Maybe that's just like the kind of women they like. I don't know. But but I was like, oh, she kind of looks a little familiar. I did notice that. But that couldn't that could just be a coincidence. But like I said, I mean, I'm influenced by a lot of comic book artists, including Michael well, Turner. It's natural, so. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's just certain things look a certain way because she's even wearing like leggings and like a white tank top at the beginning of the comic, which that character also wears. So I don't know if it could have been a reference. I could be stretching. I just thought I was like, man, this seems familiar. Hey, look, as long as there was nothing that was a traced photograph or publicity still, I think we're on to a win here. No, I didn't I didn't really pick up on that. The only thing with some of the aliens, I think it's me because I've had the same like McFarland like 12-inch big chap alien on my desk since it came out. I always notice that when it's in the comics. <laughs> and there was a couple times where I'm like, ah yes, there's the Todd McFarland big chap 12-inch alien head again. <laughs> 
but at least it's like referenced and not traced. Like if yes. it's referenced, if you're doing your own thing with it, like this was a problem I had with Fire and Stone is that it was, I don't know if it was traced or just overly referenced, but you had the NECA aliens as reference and their fingers were in the exact same pose. In oh, panel. yeah. This is not like that. No. Was it Patrick Patrick Reynolds or was yes. he the right? Yeah. Oh, Patrick Reynolds. He used to stage the panels, didn't he? He used to take photos of people doing yeah. the things and... Which at least you're taking your own reference. That's great. But move the fingers a little bit. Like, it's not so static. That's something you speak to, Natasha. Like, the aliens, part of what's really interesting about them is their movements. And capturing that in still, you know, 2D panels can can definitely be, be tricky. Yeah. And I mean, it's also, man, aliens, like... In every alien artist's defense, aliens are really troublesome to draw, especially if you're going There's for so a much very detail, isn't biomechanical it? one. Yeah, and when you have those really long heads, it's like, what does this look like at this angle kind of thing? In their defense, that, that can be real hard. And it a lot of times it does end up looking kind of weird, especially if we all know these people are on a time crunch. So sometimes it looks a little weird or unfinished or stiff, like I was saying. So I do want to defend the artists in that context. Did you have any particular favorite visuals or panels from the series? I did like some of like the queens, the big like the big pictures of the queen. I thought that was cool. I like some of the just like it was like both pages and it was going like straight across. I kind of like those. I always enjoy me some like just nuked, you know, city. <laughs> I wish there was a bit more of that because we we're kind of on the ground most of the time. But I do like those big sweeping scapes of like nuked, destroyed post-apocalyptic cities. I yeah, thought you that reminded was cool. me of that. I was going to bring that up seeing the cityscape colony just destroyed in kind of like a post-apocalyptic looking state was was really cool. It reminded me of we've been watching The Last of Us series recently and and some of the visuals were kind of similar mm-hmm. with the big destroyed buildings. Yeah, I like that. I did like in the opening panel, opening page of the comic as well, you know, seeing this futuristic cityscape and having like the the atmosphere processor kind of shapes going off in the background. I thought that was really cool. It, it grounded it in Alien straight away pretty much which was a nice take. And, you know, Adam, I know you really like seeing these more developed colony worlds as well. So I bet that was a nice... Uh, yeah, definitely. Nice I mean, it, it's an interesting thing, like wondering about what would have, like what would, after all the work had been done on Hadley's Hope, like what would it have looked like, right? Like remember when you're playing AVP 2010 and you see the little Waylon Yutani promo video and it shows the concept art going from more industrial just dirt, harsh worlds to more lush, developed cityscape, but you still have the big imposing atmosphere processor there. So it it was a cool visual to see that. Right. Does anybody have any other specific elements they want to bring up or, or are we, you know, bullet pointed out? I think I agree that this is the strongest of Marvel's alien comics so far, even including the, the one shots. We're still under the alien title rather than aliens. I don't think that really makes a difference, though. Yeah, I mean, I guess with the... It's it's just kind of interesting, right? Because almost all of the Dark Horse comics were aliens, though they had the occasional alien. And with this, it seems to be the other way around under Marvel. I guess just with aliens, you expect colonial marines more, I guess. I think it's like I, I Aliens was the more 
commercially successful one at that time. And, Aliens um, was the thing that made it a franchise at the time. Yeah, and it was when Anderson went for <laughs> Alien versus Predator, that brought the Alien logo back into the commercial side of it. I think since then, people started bringing Alien more into it in their product. I don't think there's anything else left to really say. Other than I suppose I'm looking forward to seeing where Volume 3 yeah, Marvel's Over Alien Volume. I don't think yeah. they've announced like a tagline for it. They have. I will. I will find it while you talk. Okay. Well, it's going to be set on this ice world, and that location is is interesting. I feel like for Alien because we haven't seen that too much. I know we've seen it before, and maybe in one of the comics, there was like an alien thing on some mountain or something. I think the closest thing you'll get is Aftermath, you know, the mm. uh, radiation snow Marvel comic, the freezing alien blood yeah. rather than the S. It's called Thor, Thor, by the way. Thor? T-H-A-W, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, that makes sense. It it makes you think of like John Carpenter's The Thing, right? Which is a cool setting for, for an alien story. Yeah, that's the vibe I got from it, The Thing. I like to see aliens in different different areas, you know? Different yeah. yeah. Like the snow. I love seeing our aliens emerge from different things. So like uh, this one had some really cool panels of the aliens coming out of the water, you know, when they went into the the train station to get the queen. Yeah. But then you also have like, I think it's Three World War has the aliens coming up from the sand. And then there's a nice panel in Dead Orbit where the alien emerges through vapor, through cloud. I just yeah. love seeing aliens just emerging from various substances. <laughs> yeah. Well, because they're predatory, so, you know, they want to, like, adapt and be like, I can use this as cover to, like, get the drop on them, you know, <laughs> on my prey. Yeah. So, yeah, I do like that. Anything which is like particles, so sand particles, water droplets, anything which has that fluidic feel to it. So I'm, I'm interested in, like, a, a hive environment in, a f- in the cold and even having, like, cocoons in a cold environment. That That's... Uh, but that's got like some powerful visuals, and I think I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I dig it. <laughs> I want I want to be excited, so I want to learn more about this. You know, I I want Marvel to knock one of these fucking comics yeah. out of the park. I was going to say that it would be nice to have something that we're like, this is an eight or this is a nine. You know, something along the lines of sacrifice or destroying angels. Like, can we get back to that level of quality? Mm-hmm. Like, some kind of payoff, build up and payoff. Yeah. That that was one of the things I actually found pretty lacking about Kennedy Johnson's storylines throughout was that it was, it was a comment I made on some of the other reviews was elements didn't really finish off in this story. You know, that like things with revival with the fucking weird alien worm things, there was comments that it was like, oh, well, blah, 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 this is to do with this. And it seemed like it was building to things. And it means they're not con- satisfying in a contained way. So I would very much like volume three to be fully contained and not some hanging element that perhaps will be a thing in the future. Because, yeah, it didn't, <laughs> yeah. It didn't fucking work out with this initial three storylines. Yeah. D- do contained. Because it's a frozen environment like the an icy man i think this is going to be like when um the avp film they're going to use the isolated vibe to it so i suspect this will have a bit more of a focus on horror and that creeping dread kind of thing things coming from the shadows and also the cover is an alien under ice i think there's going to be a lot of at least opportunities for doing things through ice and that sort of prismatic effect 
it's something that could be really interesting if they do it right. But the question is if. But yeah, I, I also agree about self-contained. Don't just go off on, will it do this? Will it do that? Don't know. But it's got potential. Mm-hmm. And that's looking like a release on or around Alien Day. I think Alien Day falls yep. on New Comic Alien Book Day, Day this year. Yep. Yes, yes, it's, it's due on Alien Day. Is it a two-issue thing? I think it's two-issue. I think it? it's a six. It's a run. Oh, okay. This current one, Icarus, is due to come out in paperback in May, specifically May 9th. And I'll be a part of the problem of buy the trade, but that's just so I don't have to fish the singles out when I want to reread them. Adam, do you want to give us socials and um, start us rapping? Sure. So if you haven't already, be sure to check out our website, avpgalaxy.net, where we have all sorts of good stuff like image galleries and information on the franchises, editorials, interviews, as well as old school message boards for discussion. Uh, You can also find us on all the major socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. If you just search AVP Galaxy or Alien vs. Predator Galaxy, you're sure to find us. And if you'd like to follow me personally, it's just at Ridgetop21 on both Instagram Instagram and Twitter. You can find me on Twitter as at underscore Corporal Hicks. So, Sizzy, have you got any areas you want folk to go visit? Uh, yeah, I'm same thing. I'm Sizzy Bubbles on uh, the AVP forums. I'm Sizzy Bubbles Twitter, Instagram, any social media. <laughs> uh, my art one for Instagram is Sizzy Arts. So try to keep everything where it's easy to remember. And that is S I Z Z Y. Yeah. So just as it appears on the screen everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> You'll find me. That's for those listening. Oh, yes, that's right. S-I-Z-Z-Y-B-U-B-B-L-E-S. And uh, we'll drop some links to that in the news post that goes with this as well. So thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been Corporal Hicks. Bridgetop. Xenomorphine. And Sizzy Bubbles, guest starring. Signing off.